Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and welcome to this week's episode of Puck Chats. My name is Zach Yorio. I'm happy to be your host this week, and it's my honor to introduce Trevor Yorio. Trevor played hockey on the Northport Huntington Tigers um, hockey team on Long Island, and is now lives in Florida, uh, where he studies hockey's impact and reach uh, in Florida amongst the developing hockey community there. And I'd also like to introduce Henry Haberman of Long Island. And I, I wanted to have Henry on the talk just because he, had, uh, he was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go to a number of Islander home playoff games. Um, so I, I'm really curious to see his perspective on kind of playoff hockey atmosphere, especially rebounding from COVID, um, just to see how things really play out in the ice these days. And he, he'll be a great influence um, on this podcast. So, yeah, it's my honor to introduce them both. Wow, Zach. Thanks for having me here. It's great to be here. Um, and today, uh, it's going to be an unbiased, informative update of NHL playoff hockey. In light of our wacky year, the NHL has had to adapt by isolating their divisions. This raises the question of, did the best teams really make it to the playoffs? To make the playoffs, a team only had to be in the top four of eight teams in their division while only playing these eight teams. Right now, we are seeing the utter domination by the Tampa Bay Lightnings against the Montreal Canadiens. The Canadiens have had an extremely exciting road to the playoffs. Many argue this is due solely to their netminder, Carey Price, who has had a .921 save percentage and an average goals allowed of 2.36. Very remarkable stats for the goaltender. But since Price has faced the Bolts, these numbers have dropped. The Bolts' pace of play is something that the Habs have definitely not experienced this season. The Lightning have had... Pretty seamless ride to the cup, beating the Panthers in six, the Canes in fives, until they met the Islanders and eventually beat them in seven. The Canadians have had a very different road to the playoffs, though. By coming back from a 3-1 deficit in the series uh, to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, and then this series win seemed to fuel the Canadians all the way to the cup because they swept the Jets in the next series and they beat Vegas in six. Thank you, Trevor. I really like that point you mentioned about how they only played the same eight teams throughout the season. Um, that de- definitely has to play a role um, in their matchups going into the playoffs and just not, not having been able to play against a team, not know how to really scout them, um, not being able to test out a bunch of line combinations and other tactical strategies um, throughout the season, I'm sure makes a big difference going into playoff time where kind of all bets are off and you kind of have to put your best foot forward right from the start. So that's a really interesting point. When, when talking about the hockey's reach in Florida, we know the Tampa Bay Lightning won the cup last year and obviously the Buccaneers have had a great year as well. So it's, it's some have even coined it title town, stealing it from Boston. How have you seen that transpire um, throughout the Florida hockey community? We've also seen the impact that players like Ryan Reeves have on these marginalized communities that traditionally don't have uh, access to hockey. Have you seen anything um, in, amongst Florida communities to where um, some players in, amongst the organization are kind of reaching out to these communities to kind of broaden the scope of the game? I know that's a really important initiative for the NHL right now and something that we all like to see happen moving forward. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts regarding this. To answer your first question, Zach, Youth are starting to get way more involved in hockey in Florida. There's more youth leagues popping up. I see kids playing street hockey in their courts. Uh, hockey has definitely become a spotlight sport for many young kids uh, alongside like soccer and lacrosse. But unfortunately, 
like there is in Pittsburgh, the Willie O'Ree Academy, which uh, that gets kids from underappreciated neighborhoods on the ice. But the conversation has shifted, and there is a spotlight for these initiatives down in Florida. Progress has been made to make hockey a playable sport for everyone, but there is still work to be done. Thank you, Trevor. It's really great to hear about these initiatives, and I'm, I'm sure the NHL is continuing to put more effort and resources towards these communities that um, kind of grow the sport of hockey uh, to all make it a little more inclusive sport. And Tampa Bay is a great town from what I hear. I hear it's an awesome place to live. Um, the sports are definitely growing there, so I could only imagine how these youth leagues are really taking it and running to kind of grow the game of hockey down there in the South more, which is awesome for the sport. I'm also here to um, really curious, I'm sure all our view- listeners are, about the atmosphere and environment at today's NHL playoff games, especially coming back from COVID where a lot of these uh, players were playing in front of cardboard cutouts only two months ago to playing in front of 15, 16, 17, 18,000 fans on a given playoff night. What's the atmosphere like at these games? I hear it's, I hear it's a lot of fun. Um, and what's kind of the feedback that the players have been giving uh, regarding the fans in the building and kind of how it helps them play the sport, especially in these really difficult and trying moments? Thanks, Zach. It's really great to be here. Let me just say, it is so great to be back in the arena environment. Everyone has gone through so much regarding COVID. The atmosphere was incredible, and the pent-up energy from the fans was something to see. The players love it and feed off of the energy, especially in the late moments of the game. I was at Game 6 of Islanders vs. Lightning, and it ended up going to overtime. After the game, Anthony Beauvillier from the Islanders commented on how great the energy was and how crucial it is late in the game. Beauvillier was the one who ended up ended it for the Isles, winning it in overtime. I thought the roof was going to come down on the place. Let me tell you something. The barn was rocking. What an experience. Thank you so much, Henry. Um, I'm really jealous of your experience, to be quite honest with you. And I'm sure there are still negatives to going to the game in person, like the extremely overpriced hot dogs and the strenuously long lines to the restroom. I'm sure um, you're not too fond of and kind of took a nice chunk out of your wallet. But moving forward, another topic that Trevor touched on earlier, which I thought was interesting to cover during this podcast, was um, just how dominant the Tampa Bay Lightning have been in the Eastern Conference and now seeing it um, against the competition from the West in the Cup Finals. I know a hot topic of debate has been their issues with the salary cap. So for those of you who don't know, essentially they use a little bit of a loophole where they put one of their, their captain and star player um, on the long-term injured reserve following his surgery at the end of last season. Um, to where his cap space, his cap hit was not included in the team salary cap. So they had uh, about a ten to twelve million dollar space that they filled throughout the season and um, up into free agency, which kind of really helped them add a lot of tools to their team's um, assets and kind of their st- overall strategy. Being able to have such a dominant offensive force. Um, amongst the Eastern Conference, and now they're dominating in the West. So I think that's an interesting point to touch upon just because there has been some disparity amongst fans all over the NHL about this loophole and how this team is significantly um, over the salary cap given that this player has returned to the ice. 
It's another hot topic of general, kind of the, uh, the business of sports that kind of comes into play a lot of the times that kind of go over people's heads, but are really, really important, especially when it comes down to playoffs. Uh, people are really worn down from a long, strenuous season. They're fighting for their lives against the best competition left in the league, and they have all this space and utility. And Trevor, you also mentioned how the Montreal Canadian success has been led in almost entirely, as you said, um, by their netminder, Carey Price. How important have goaltenders been, especially late in the season, with trying to win um, in a difficult defensive matchup? I know, I know my father always told me that offense wins games, but defense wins championships. So just how much does that hold true in today's Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, Zach, your father must be a genius because defense wins championships. In our final four uh, round, the last four teams left in the hockey playoffs, all of them were first-round draft picks, all with amazing save percentages, allowing like two to three goals a game. These games have been tight solely because of their goalies. We've seen goalies flying across the crease, making diving stops that no goalie should ever make. Absolutely highlight real plays. Uh, every morning after a playoff game, I wake up, go through my phone, scroll through my feed, and I don't see player highlights. I see goalie highlights. And this has completely changed the game because it's so much harder to score now. So back to you, Zach. What do you think is the most important part of a hockey team? That's a great question and really interesting to hear about those goalies. And I totally agree. These guys have just been playing outstanding, keeping their teams in games and within series um, to really keep things interesting. When, when it comes to a hockey team, I think the coach kind of sets the tone and initiates the culture that the team's going to have throughout the season. You know, hockey's like one of those sports, like a basketball or a baseball, where the seasons are long. This was a shortened season, but normally they play over 60 games. This is a long season. It's a physical game. The coaches has to keep the minds of the players right. If the minds start to drift and the focus starts to drift towards individuality or something else that's going on, the team definitely suffers. So the coach needs to keep everyone in line um, when it comes to discipline and mental toughness, especially this late in the playoffs, because all it takes is one slip up, as we've seen in a lot of these games that have gone into overtime and late in the third period. All it takes is one little slip up and your season is over just like that. So people really have to be on their toes. And a, a perfect segue with that as well is when Montreal Canadiens coach Ducharme um, had to sit out the first two games of the Stanley Cup playoff due to COVID-19 protocols. Um, and this presence was severely felt as they definitely got beat uh, in games one and two pretty clean. And it seemed like the mental toughness was not all there um, for the Canadians, where the more experienced Tampa Bay Lightning, who have literally been here and done that last season, um, definitely seemed a little bit more prepared and a little bit more engaged in this game. So um, moving forward, they're down three games to zero. Montreal Canadiens coach really needs to get their players' heads right moving into game four because it could very well be the last game they play this season, um, which is really important, especially for them kind of making their honeymoon run, beating the, honestly, the stand, they were at one point the top two Stanley Cup final favorites um, and cross-Canadian cross rivals, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, that was a huge win for their franchise, 
huge rivalry up in Canada of the two most storied franchises in the NHL. So uh, the coach really needs to get them right. They'd be a great Vegas Golden Knights team. They need to come prepared for game four, ready to make a name for themselves and really compete in the Stanley Cup final Um, because I know all their players definitely deserve it. Um, A lot of them, players like Carey Price, Trevor, as you mentioned earlier, a star goaltender who has yet to win a cup. Um, I'm sure he would absolutely love uh, a ring this season. He's got to compete. The coach has to keep the players engaged and prevent a sweep because there's nothing that says a lack of mental toughness like getting swept four games to none in the Stanley Cup final. Right now, the Canadians are in a very particular situation where they really got to toughen up mentally because they're down three games to none. They've done it before. They beat the Maple Leafs three. They were down 3-1. They came back and won it. But the Lightning knows what it takes. They've won the cup last year. So it's going to be very interesting to see. It's anyone's game at this point. But personally, I think the Lightning got this one in the bag. I totally agree, Trevor. I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a huge game, and it's going to say a lot about their organization, how they respond. I know they they got a lot of young players on that team and in that organization um, to where they really want to set the tone for the next couple years of hockey for them. And I want to thank you both as well for taking the time to be with me today for the inaugural Putt Chats podcast. Uh, it was really great hosting and having you both. I really do appreciate all your insights. It's been great chatting with you guys, and it's going to be a great game four, so we'll see what happens, Um, and I look forward to circling back with you all um, next week to kind of go over our final takes on the series, on the final, on this season that has been anything but regular. Um, So thank you all again, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in to Puck Chats, and my name is Zach. We'll see you next time.